Alright, so I'm actually back to record another episode. So, as often happens, I'm going to start this one by answering a question that is available on Quora. So that question is, why do poor Southerners vote GOP when they clearly would be better off voting liberal? One or two issues is not worth voting for the party that favors the rich and big corporations. So that is an interesting question. And my answer, as it appears on Quora, well, part of it anyway, is that voting behavior is influenced by a complex interplay of factors. And here are some insights into why some individuals in economically disadvantaged regions, including the American South, might vote for the Republican Party, aka the GOP, despite their economic circumstances. So there are cultural and social issues. In many cases, voters prioritize social and cultural issues over economic ones. The GOP has traditionally aligned itself with conservative positions on issues such as abortion, gun rights, and what they call traditional family values, in addition to things like Reaganomics. Some voters in the South may identify more strongly with these positions and be willing to overlook economic considerations and how the GOP caters to an elite selectorate more than average people in the electorate. There's also party loyalty. Many people have long-standing party affiliations that are passed down through generations and will vote for that party straight down the line. You know, kind of like how some families, you know, have a favorite sports team or something like that, or, you know, any number of things that are considered traditional within the family. So that leads us into the paradox of voting, where it's a bunch of different ideals, you have loyalty and economic reality that uh, can create a complex patchwork of factors, if you will. So, you know, the long-standing party affiliation thing, this is a strong incentive to vote in line with that long-held party, regardless of current circumstances and regardless of how much that party has been corrupted by so-called super PACs. You know, many voters just don't care to even look into that sort of thing. You know, if, uh, if the party propagandists don't put that information in front of them on the, uh, you know, the mainstream far-right media, which would be Fox News and increasingly places like Newsmax, well, then, then they just don't care. They don't see it. They don't care. And they probably don't trust that information if it's coming from, uh, you know, a non-far-right source. And hell, a lot of the people, they wouldn't trust the information if it is coming from those sources because it clashes with their preconceptions. So obviously some may not be actively following, following the current actual health of the economy, you know, if it's improving somewhat or, or whatever, but they will assume the economy is fine when their party is in power and the economy will supposedly only be bad when the other party's in there. Or maybe they won't even care about the party in power, but will follow their own stated beliefs and narratives, sometimes only uh, 
on one or two issues, such as what they believe are religious directives on abortion or, you know, so-called gun rights, etc. Many of these same people will lament things like an unprecedented and concerted expansion of government against the directives of the Constitution, but they have no problem with the looming prospects of a theocratic dictatorship that actively defies and tramples upon some basic precepts of the U.S. Constitution. You know, none of that is scary. It's only scary if it's like a a Democrat or a liberal who wants to, you know, have better regulations on things like gas stoves. I've talked about that on this podcast before and how some people are treating that like it's some spooky and scary thing, even though, you know, it could actually save lives and stuff. You know, it's like we have health and safety standards for things like automobiles. And, uh, you know, that really would not be fundamentally different in principle to have some standards for gas stoves or other potentially dangerous appliances. But, you know, apparently that's a bridge too far. It wasn't a bridge too far for a lot of these same people to actually start wars and, you know, drop bombs and kill people overseas. But, you know, regulating gas stoves and having an infrastructure plan, that's like the highest bit of tyranny that could possibly be imagined. So voting is typically more about perceiving a candidate's individual macho strength than their intellectual capabilities when it comes to a lot of these types of voters. Or they may believe voting for a successful businessman and patriotism appealing candidate can be extremely advantageous to their and your financial well-being because they actively represent the American dream or the American mythos. And, you know, if, if they can do it, if they can succeed, well, maybe you can too. Gee, golly gosh, isn't that wonderful? And, you know, you put a bunch of American flags around you and mention God a bunch of times and suddenly you're, you're a good guy or a good gal. You know, that's really all it takes for some of these people. And meanwhile, because these politicians have business interests in mind, they will no doubt act in ways that serve those very same interests because of freedom and stuff. You know, that's that's how the steamroller uh, rationalizes itself as it rolls across the country and, you know, does what it does best. Just show us some American flags and God talk and you're halfway there to gaining some support, and, you know, especially if you're a rich white guy, preferably a rich white prick guy, you know, an asshole, um, a a token white guy who uh, is there to, you know, whip us all into shape. Only only he can fix it. You know, that's really the uh, narrative that apparently really catches on, you know, the Biff Tannins of the world, you know, Biff Tannin from Back to the Future, that whole trilogy. Well, in part two, you know, the uh, the one where Biff Tannin creates a parallel, parallel universe, well, that character was actually modeled at least loosely after Donald Trump in that particular movie, FYI. 
And you can even see it with the way the character kind of styles his hair and all that stuff. Anyway, even though I am mocking this type of voter, these appeals, you know, to uh, patriotism and all that, they do make sense, at least a kind of sense. You know, a somewhat higher socioeconomic status means that one will have greater access to educational and economic opportunities, such as better jobs and access to more assets. So if they think that voting for this type of person will, you know, help them attain super wealth or anything like that, well, they're going to go for it. Whereas a lot of, you know, Democrats or whatever, liberals, progressives, they don't really sell their politics so much as a get-rich-quick scheme. And, you know, it's a it's another aspect of far-right politics that they really like the rags from rich, or not rags from, well, yeah, rags from, no, rags to riches narrative. I'm thinking about the opposite. <laughs> anyway, um, at the same time, you know, people want to be able to brag about overcoming adversity. So that's the uh, great rags to riches narrative that so often gets bandied about. The narrative is an incentive for politicians to create more needless adversity by stripping away more basic resources that help people out. Because what's there to brag about if there is a safety net and you're not just making it on your own, like a mythological figure, like the phoenix rising from the ashes? You know, what are you, a pussy if you, if you need extra help? You know, if you need to suck on Uncle Sam's teat to uh, get a hand up and, and all that kind of stuff. So put up those hurdles, drive up those health care costs. Universal health care? Nah. Bah humbug. Put those kids to work in the mines, you know. We don't need them uh, having universal health care. they got to work to afford their meals. Black lung will put some hair on those chests. And those young 13-year-old wives will more easily join knitting circles if they're knitting their lives away in some dungeon-like sweatshop. You know, like uh, knitting sweaters for the masses for 13 cents an hour or something like that. <clears throat> or maybe they won't even have jobs, these 13-year-old housewives, because the uh, 12 to 13-year-old man of the house is culturally conditioned into thinking he can, he can or must be the only breadwinner as the ultra-conservative young wife's sole job may be to crank out more kids and grandkids for the uh, master race and raise them upright in church schools that teach us about the facts of life, such as Noah being on an ark with all those animals. And those kids won't learn enough critical thinking to wonder how Noah managed to feed and clean up after all those animals or how those animals didn't kill each other off en masse, or how this or that actually might have actually happened. They'll just be good little obedient boys and girls and not ask too many questions, because that's, you know, what faith entails. You know, you don't, you don't question a whole lot. So if one is strong in their intellectual abilities, they may be less likely to follow the faux populist preferences of the GOP, or share those ideals as if they are perfectly representative of the people. Because according to the, poll, according to the polling data, they are not. You know, 
poll after poll after poll indicates that actually far-right ideas are not the most popular and that most Americans actually favor some liberal or left-leaning takes on issues. So what are the implications for some of these behavioral factors that I've been talking about? Am I just making fun of Americans? You know, the stereotypical overweight and under undereducated lummox who thinks they're living in an action movie and they are the star. You know, they think the government's coming to take their guns and they will surely be able to fight off all the army tanks, jet fighters, and the phalanx of soldiers and SWAT teams and landmines and bombs with their little Elmer Fuddish pea shooters. Well, okay, I'm guilty as charged. I am making fun of those types of people a little bit. But I don't think people have to as often be the living embodiments of those stereotypes. And I'm not saying I'm perfect myself. In fact, I'm myself over overweight and to some degree lazy. So I'm a little bit of an American stereotype uh, on my own. But really, we have to get our shit together a little bit better and to be a little bit less like the uh, stereotypes that uh, so many people end up, you know, living like. I think being less of a partisan hack is a decent start to self-improvement for the average citizen. It's anecdotal on my part, but I think it's true. For example, I think those who have minimal partisan hack qualities and who lack ultra-dense ideological loyalties, and those who know who the president is and don't have a conspiracy theory about, you know, who the real president is and that kind of stuff. Those who are strong in their personal character can often be resilient. You know, uh, you don't fall for a bunch of nonsense. And yes, sometimes even today, Americans defy stereotypes. So despite all the Fox News style propaganda, Americans have been relatively more progressive on certain issues, even immigration than some might think. So, for example, according to a 2017 Pew Research poll, nearly two-thirds two two of Americans, or 65%, say immigrants strengthen the country because of their hard work and talents. Just 26% say immigrants are a, are a burden because they take our jobs, housing, and health care. So... An intelligent person, in my view, realizes that, yes, an immigrant, like anyone else, will want some jobs, housing, and health care, and granting people in general those things has a greater net benefit to all, because at least those people aren't out desperately on the streets, which would surely be a greater danger to themselves and others. In the meantime, Instead of spending more money on jails and detention centers and weapons and bombs, maybe we should prioritize ways to use the system to help, to help people rather than actively try to hurt them and otherwise just get in their way. You know, what a concept. And, you know, this idea is called uh, extremism or, you know, far leftism or, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, being a communist somehow, instead of just being a bit of common sense and 
actual patriotism because you're actually looking out for your fellow citizens. And of course, it's not just patriotism. It could also be an attitude that could be applied to anyone. And here's the real kicker. You don't need a dictatorship to do any of that or some extremist radical ideology. Other countries already do a lot of that stuff and they are not all instantaneously falling apart or necessarily even falling apart in the long term, especially not decaying any more than the United States. It's called giving a damn. It's called providing a basic infrastructure. It's called having a society that does what a society is supposed to do. And no party loyalty or cult is required, just good old-fashioned ingenuity, compassion, and hard work. Again, what a concept. It almost sounds like an American kind of ideal, doesn't it? And really, that's what would be at work, and it would be of great benefit to all, and yada, yada, yada. Is it even utopian? I don't really think so. But anyway, that's my message for today, and have yourself a fantastical time.